woman exploded into the room with a small child and a baby. Dr. Weissman, I see you over there. This is an emergency. Frankie turned around as the woman charged toward her. I need to leave my kids here with you. I've got to get my mother to the hospital in Brooklyn, and I have nobody else to stay with them. Mrs. Caesar, what happened to the daycare center I arranged for you? Frankie asked. All the other mothers and caregivers stopped their conversations to listen. They don't want to go there. They're still scared from the trade center. I told you she won't take us. The older child, who was around eight, held her baby brother Clayton in her arms. Frankie opened her shopping bags and pulled out the pink poodle. Vinette, I have some great new toys. She pulled out the poodle and the dog began to bark to the tune of La Marseillaise. The girl gave Frankie the baby and took the poodle's leash. Thank you, Dr. Weissman. Mrs. Caesar raced out the door. As Frankie passed the baby to a nurse, she was blocked by Mrs. Adrian Strong Rodman, whose fringed Balenciaga leather jacket was now vibrating. Frankie's receptionist had once made the mistake of simply calling her Mrs. Rodman and was immediately rebuked. Please make a point of using all three of my names and both of my degrees, if possible, when referring to me. Adrian Strong Rodman, J.D., Ph.D., claimed to be both a lawyer and a child psychologist. Somehow, after a brief stint as a Hollywood publicist, she reemerged as a high-powered entertainment lawyer with an expertise in children's advocacy rights. Her career profile changed again once she landed the multi-billionaire Paul Rodman. No longer able to contain her fury, Adrian Strong Rodman turned to Frankie. Listen, no one did more to raise money for social welfare in this town last year than I did. Just ask lunch for children, women for women, or bottomless closet. I work my ass off for diversity, but we've been waiting here for over 20 minutes, and that's unacceptable. Frankie looked down at Mrs. Rodman's $1,950 rust crocodile Manolo Blahnik mules. She wondered if she had been equally irritated waiting for them. Then Frankie corrected herself. Adrian Strong Rodman would have the Manolos delivered to her home for perusal. That way she could get upstairs to her yoga hut, which she had just installed on the roof of her twin townhouses without wasting valuable time. In between working her ass off, Adrian was in deep pursuit of inner stillness and calm. Just sign this! Adrienne pulled a piece of paper and a pen from her white ostrich Hermes Birkin bag and put it in front of Frankie. Jessica needs a note for skydiving class. But Jessica's only ten. Frankie signed her name. Her father wants her to be fearless, and these days you need to be prepared. Have a nice day. She grabbed Jessica, the royal nanny, turned on her crocodile slide, and walked out. Pippa Rose was already on her cell phone with the fast-breaking story. Adrian Strong Rodman just lost it in Dr. Francesca Weissman's office. I guess all that yoga isn't working. Personally, I don't think she was entirely out of line. I love Frankie Weissman, but she should never have moved her practice. Frankie knew the move had been a gamble. She had made her reputation at Park Avenue Pediatrics, a well-heeled practice with a chic neighborhood clientele. But when she turned 40, 
Frankie began teaching preventive medicine at a series of daycare centers and elementary schools in East Harlem. Moving her own practice to 102nd Street and 5th Avenue was her attempt to accommodate both ends of her Upper East Side patient spectrum. But the truth was, Frankie had a long history of ambivalence toward the entire privileged New York landscape. She had moved to the Upper East Side from Queens when she was 12. Frankie's father, Abraham, was a manufacturer of women's hosiery who sent her to the Spence School simply because it was up the block. Abraham had few social pretensions, and he passed that trade on to his daughter. Frankie could not have found an office address more reflective of her personality than 102nd Street and 5th Avenue. She knew that if she had a world, the 5th Avenue one was it, but she was most comfortable on its fringes. Mrs. Santorini, I'll be with you in Brooke in a minute. Frankie smiled at them and walked back into her office. As soon as she sat down, the phone rang. Dr. Weissman, Mrs. Schultz is on the phone. She says it's an emergency. She picked up the phone. Hello, Frankie Weissman here. Mrs. Schultz's voice was quavering. Dr. Weissman, Taylor has swollen glands and she's sweating. I think there's a rash on her hand and Zittimer Pharmacy has run out of Cipro. She doesn't necessarily need Cipro, Frankie said calmly. It sounds like it could be all sorts of things. Should I rush her to an emergency room? I would bring her here first. Tell Rosita to make an appointment for today. Ever since the first anthrax case was reported in New York, Frankie got at least 200 calls a day for Cipro. Mothers like Mrs. Schultz were constantly on the brink of biological warfare. Brooke, this way, please. You're in room three. Irina, the Russian nurse, escorted Brooke and her mother into the examining room. When Frankie walked in to join them, Brooke had picked up the book Go Away, Big Green Monster, which was lying on the windowsill. We have this book at my school. Dr. Weissman, I can make all the green monsters go away and never come back again. Good girl. I'm glad to hear that. Frankie imagined a room full of kindergarten girls defending themselves against big green monsters. She also wondered if any of their parents were still missing among the Trade Center rubble. Frankie asked Brooke to breathe deeply and put her stethoscope on the child's toe. Is this your heart, Brooke? The girl giggled. No. Frankie put her stethoscope on Brooke's elbow. Is this your heart? The child began shaking her head no and laughing. You're silly, Dr. Weissman. Finally, Frankie put the stethoscope on her chest. Stop, Dr. Weissman, stop! This is my heart. Thank you, Brooke. Thank you. I would have never guessed. Brooke grinned triumphantly as Frankie continued the examination. Frankie was only running an hour late when Brooke left, and by seven o'clock she had caught up with herself. Have you seen this, Dr. Weissman? Rosita came into her office waving the latest issue of Manhattan Magazine, the established doyenne of urban magazines. Is someone we know in it? Frankie took a wry pleasure in the social escapades of her patient's mothers. It's not about a patient. It's about you. This is their postponed back-to-school issue, and they named you the best pediatrician in Manhattan. Here, look. 
She pushed the magazine in front of Frankie's face. God, that's an awful picture, Frankie recoiled. I don't think you look so bad. Rosita peeked her head over Frankie's shoulder. You look like someone people could count on. As my stepmother Helen would say, looking like someone you can count on never found anyone a husband. And furthermore, they didn't say I was the best, just the best on the Upper East Side. Frankie put the magazine down. Do we have any tuna fish? Aren't you going home for dinner? Rosita asked. No, I think I'll catch up on some things here. It was an answer Frankie used at least twice a week to savor the calm of being alone in her office. The staff kitchen was a small closet to the left of exam room five. There was only enough space for a counter, a microwave, and an avocado plant that managed to grow without sunlight or water. Gulping a diet iced tea, Frankie reread her mention in Manhattan magazine. She was angry at herself for being a little too pleased about it, but she was even angrier at herself for still secretly coveting Mrs. Rodman's Hermes Birkin bag. Her stepmother referred to her patients who lugged the $8,000 Hermes tote as Birkin babes. One year for Christmas, Helen even gave her a $30 plastic Birkin imitation with a note that said, God willing, one day your husband will give you the real one. There was something almost detoxifying for Frankie about leafing through Manhattan Magazine that night. It was the first issue since September 11th in which the magazine returned to business as usual with quality goods, shopping hints, and buzzworthy local celebrity gossip. But she was caught off guard when she turned the page and saw a picture of a woman posing as a 1930s movie star in a retro Balmain gown.